Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana, and today I want to fulfill the name of this podcast, right? This is the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. So today's episode, the title is The Secret to Attracting Lasting Love. Now, I want to let you know I'm annoyed at my own title, right? Because you might be thinking, as I am, I mean, how many secrets are there, Roy? Everybody's got a secret, (laughs) right? This dating guru, this relationship coach, this book, this podcast, everybody's got a secret. Like, how many secrets are there, right? And so I will even admit to you, I haven't run through all of my podcasts, but I'll bet you I've got at least one or two of them that are titled The Secret to Something, okay? So the reason for this is, and you know, right? I mean, when you're a content creator, you want to have a title that's attractive and interesting that that would make people say, ooh, you know, I got to hear the secret, right? You know, the most important thing in writing a book is not what's on the inside of it. It's the title, (laughs) the title and the subtitle, the cover, right? That's what gets a person to get the book, right? And so, all right, so all of us content creators are looking to title things that make you go, ooh, you know, I can't miss this one. I mean, mean, hell, this is the secret, right? And so I admit there's a little marketing going on here, but I really do think that what I'm pointing to is not this, what I'm going to talk about today is not the secret in the sense of this is it, this is the only thing, This is the most important thing to attracting lasting love. I'm not using the word secret in that way. I'm using it more of this might be maybe the most important thing involved in attracting lasting love that no one talks about and that maybe you haven't ever heard of. So I'm thinking this is secret in the sense of it's unfamiliar to you, that you maybe haven't heard anybody talk about this. Now, I'm sure someone has, but I don't think many people are going to say that they're totally familiar with what I'm saying is the secret to attracting lasting love. Okay? So let's just jump right in. And let me say this in terms of what the secret is. There was a book written, I think it was in the late 80s, maybe in the 90s, I I don't remember, but it's a book by Stephen Covey called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? A runaway number one bestseller, huge book at the time. And I think it's number two in his list of the seven habits of highly effective, successful people was beginning with the end in mind. What he noticed, and I think what all of us notice is if you want to get somewhere, you really should begin by feeling into and envisioning the result you want and then begin the process with that in mind. It's almost like if you want to drive to a location, right? I I want to go from Chicago to Orlando. Well, I can't make the trip unless I have, you know, if I begin with the end in mind, I got to know where I'm going. I got to know where I want to end up because then that determines what highways I take. If I just get in the car and start driving and I don't have any idea of where I want to go, I mean, then that doesn't even work, right? (laughs) But yet we seem to have relationships and I'm not sure how many of us ever really think through what am I aiming at? You know, like what's the end result that I'm looking for? Now, that doesn't mean, you know, I'm not saying you don't have an idea the kind of partner you want to be with, 
But do you have something specific, you know, that you can point to as to where you want to end up? And then once you do, you can begin the process of attracting lasting love based upon that. Okay. So begin with the end in mind, which means here's the secret to attracting lasting love. Write your wedding vows now. Write your wedding vows now. I'm going to talk with you and show you three things in regards to this. I'm going to show you the benefits of this, what this does for you. When you sit down and you actually imagine your partner standing in front of you in a church, an outdoor wedding, in Vegas, wherever, okay, when you imagine you're standing in front of someone, you're going you're gonna to say your own vows, right? I would encourage everyone not to just use the standard stock vows that people have used forever, that you write your own vows, come from your own heart that express your real intentions about the way you want your relationship to go. And so you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna write your own vows. Well, don't wait until maybe a week or so before your wedding. Oh, no, 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 no. Do it now. And I'm going to share with you why that's so important. I'm going to talk with you secondly about how to write them, okay, how to actually do it. And then third, I'm going to suggest some vows that you put on your list. Okay. And what I'm going to suggest, of course, is arbitrary. There are going to be vows that I have seen and have been proven over centuries of human relationships. These are the vows that really lead to healthy, sustainable connections. But you can make any vow you want, right? I'm just going to suggest that you consider these vows because the whole game is that when you have that in mind, okay, I'm going to begin with all of that in mind. Right? These are the vows that I want to say to someone. So obviously, I'm going to be living by them even now. Okay? So the secret to attracting lasting love is writing your wedding vows now. And so we're going to talk about why that's important, how to write them, and what should be on your list. Okay, now I want to emphasize one word in the title here. Remember, we're talking about the secret to attracting lasting love. And we're talking about that word lasting. Okay? I mean, attracting a relationship, uh, you know, meeting someone, going on a date. Okay? I mean, it's not the easiest thing in the world to, to meet someone and go on a date or two. But it's not as hard as creating a lasting, sustainable relationship. So we're talking about that word, not the easy part of just meeting someone and, you know, getting a date on Friday night. Okay. We're talking about having someone to date every Friday night, the rest of your life, (laughs) the same person. (laughs) Okay. So we're talking about lasting love. All right. So let's just jump right in here. Why is this so important? Like, What does writing your vows now do for you? Well, first, it really defines your definition of compatibility. Now, think about that. We all know the the two sides of a relationship are chemistry and compatibility, right? You need both for a lasting relationship. Yeah, you want to have the hots for each other. You want some attraction, okay? Be like, yes, I could look at that person for the rest of my life. That sounds wonderful to me, (laughs) okay? I can imagine being naked with them. That's a nice feeling. I, I, I feel attraction for them. But just because there's sexual attraction doesn't mean you are meant to be able to be in a relationship together. That requires some compatibility, Correct? Right? We all know that. And compatibility is the harder thing to find. Right? I mean, 
there's lots of good looking people out there. I mean, I do know that, you know, that real sticky, juicy kind of chemistry doesn't happen all the time, right? But finding someone that you're attracted to that's that you feel some energy toward, that's not that hard as compared to finding someone that, oh, I could build a life with them, right? I, we are so much on the same page that we could spend decades together. See, that's a, that's a, that's a different animal, correct? But when you, when you are writing your wedding vows now, what you're basically doing is you're saying, this is how I roll. Your, your wedding vows are your intentions. This is the way I want to be with you. These are the rules that I want to function by. These are my promises. This is, these are my intentions. These are my commitments to you in a relationship. Well, when you are committed to living and loving by certain commitments, when you have these vows, the relationship only works if the other person's vows match yours. Correct? <laughs> Does that make sense? Like if you're vowing to not be a blamer or you're vowing to sexual fidelity and the other person's like, no, I'm not vowing to that. Uh, I make no promises about who I'm going to sleep with. All right. Well, then that, you, you guys might be incompatible. You follow me? So because this whole issue of compatibility, I'm, I'm sure you know my slant on this, is that most people think of compatibility in things that really don't matter. And they, they really don't think of compatibility in the ways that it should matter. Right? Most of us, when we hear compatibility, is like, do we like the same music? Do we have the same hobbies and interests? You know what I mean? Do we both like the theater? Do we both like to travel? Right? You're, you're thinking more in terms of compatibility means we have shared interests. It, it really isn't that. It, in fact, I would maintain it's really not necessary to have a bunch of shared interests in a relationship. I mean, I, I play tons of golf. I'm very athletic. My wife has no interest in sports whatsoever. Right? So we, we don't have that many shared interests. We both like binge watching shows on Netflix or HBO Max and stuff like that. But aside from that, um, there's not many things that we that we share in terms of hobbies and interests. And I would tell you that we are incredibly compatible because compatibility is not about that. What I would say that superficial stuff. Compatibility really is about, are you committed to the same kind of relationship? Do you want to go in the same direction, right? Do you, do you have aligned purposes and, and are you in agreement on, on sort of the rules by which your relationship is going to function? In other words, instead of shared interests, do you have shared commitments or shared vows. I vow to relate according to this. I vow to show up this way. I vow to communicate this way. I vow to live by this. And when two people, if you meet someone and, and, and they were to share their vows with you and they match yours, holy crap, you're compatible. You follow me? So, when you have these wedding vows already written, you've already decided this is the way I'm going to relate. These are the commitments that I'm going to live by and love by. It's easy to find out if you're compatible because at some point you could just, I guess you could just bring them up, <laughs> right? Because these vows are incredibly important to you. Your vows are the ways in which you plan to to live the rest of your life. This is the way I roll. So 
those would come up quite naturally in relationship. Maybe not on the first date, right? You whip out your vows card <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is what I would vow to my future partner. What do you vow? Let's just cut to the chase right here. Now, I'm not saying do that. But at some point in the relationship, when you start dating someone and you think, hey, okay, maybe we got something here. There's lots of chemistry. We do have some shared interests. So we do like the same music. In fact, he asked me to go to a concert and, and we both like this band. Oh, okay, cool. Or, you know, invited me to, you know, a basketball game and, you know, he's got tickets to the, the NBA team and in town and, and I, I like sports. It's fun, right? Okay. Yeah, it'd be fun to go to a bar during football season with my, with my guy or with my girl and we're wearing jerseys watching our team. Okay. Fine. But there might be a time when you, when you should bring up, this is what's really important to me in terms of the way I want to be in a relationship. And you have that deeper conversation. And so if you were to share one of your vows and the other person says, oh, absolutely. I mean, you might not be saying it like that. Like I, I wouldn't advise you on the third or fourth date. Well, let me tell you a couple things that I would say at the altar, right? Okay, relax. It might be, that might be a little scary for you to be talking about marriage on the third or fourth date, <laughs> okay? But you, you could certainly say, and it might just come up naturally in the conversation, you know, that you really want to be in a relationship where people reveal themselves to each other, where we don't keep secrets, where we're transparent and honest with our feelings, even even feelings that we think the other person might not like to know. I just want to be in a relationship that's really transparent. And the other person is going to say, oh my God, I mean, me too. I've, I've dated like this and my, my ex was like this and I've had these experiences and I've just learned that, you know, genuine open openness and honesty is the way that I want to do it. Oh, see now, now we're, we might like different music, but we're really compatible. Do you follow that? So, Writing your vows, it just defines your definition of what compatibility is. How do I know if someone's compatible? Well, if our vows are very similar, if not the same. Okay? The second benefit of or what writing your vows does for you is it allows the law of attraction to work for you rather than against you. Right? Because... I think you know where I'm going with this, that if you are going to vow to be a certain way with your partner on your wedding day, that you're going to live that way today, right? That's the idea. I'm going to write my wedding vows now, but it's not like I'm going to start being honest in relationships the day I get married, <laughs> right? The whole idea is I'm beginning with the end in mind. So if my vows, if I'm, if I'm imagining I'm going to look at my partner, I'm going to say this to them. Well, I'm living that way today. And so we know the law of attraction means like attracts like. That's all it means. Don't go off in the woo-woo land about, you know, I can manifest things out of thin air and if I imagine and I think and I feel and you know, burn incense and utter prayers that I'm just going to manifest winning the lottery or whatever. Okay, no. it The law of attraction is real. And all it means is like attracts like. And I think you've heard me say this before. If it's a law, it's not something that you choose to use or not use. Right? You don't choose to use the law of gravity. You don't jump off of building and say, no, no, it's fine because I'm... I'm, I'm not choosing to use the law of gravity today. And then you jump and then see what happens, right? If it's a law, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with whether you want to use it or not. It's always operational if it's a law of the universe. And it is a law of the universe that like attracts like. So it's not like you decide to use it. No, it's, all, it's already happening. So what does this mean for your vows? Well, if you're if if you've written your wedding vows now and you're living that way, that those vows carry a certain we could say a magnetic field. 
There's an aura to them. There's a, an energy to them. It's the way you want to be in relationship. And so you will end up attracting people who resonate with your vows, whose vows are similar to yours, whether they've written them or not. You're going to attract people that want to play the same game that you want to play. That's my point. I hate using the game because that word in relationships is used pejoratively a lot, but it's really appropriate. Everybody's playing a game. It just depends on whether you're playing some conventional game or whether you want to play a conscious game, right? But your vows are basically, you're saying these, this is the game I want to play. These are the rules by which I want to relate by. These are my commitments. And so when you're living that way now, you will attract people that resonate with that and want to play that game with you and you will repel those who don't. I've used this illustration before. If you like soccer, get your soccer ball, go to a soccer field on Saturday morning, put on your cleats, run around, kick the ball, shoot it in the net, and you will attract people that want to play with you. Other people will say, I want to play soccer, and they'll come out and maybe you can pass the ball. But what you won't attract is someone coming out on the field and taking your ball and saying, I want to go shoot it at that hoop that's 10 feet off the ground. I don't want to use my feet. I want to use my hands and I want to bounce it and dribble it and shoot it at the basket, right? It's like, that's a different game. They're not compatible with you. You won't attract people that want to play basketball if you're playing soccer, (laughs) okay? So whatever vows you are living by right now, that's why you're attracting certain people in certain patterns. It's not about them. There's no one to, there's, there's, you, you shouldn't blame the people that you have attracted and the patterns you've gotten into. You have been attracting that. The law of attraction has worked against you. Because you will always attract according to the game you, you're playing. So the key to making the law of attraction work for you is to consciously decide what's the game I'm playing and then live that way now. And when you live that way now, you're going to find people who say, hey, I want to play that game with you. Or people are going to say, you're weird. Uh, no, that's no fun. I don't like that. That's a turn off. Fine. Really, it's fine that you repel some people because they want a relationship that you don't want to have, right? They don't, you want to be in a certain kind of relationship that functions in a certain way and they don't want that. It's not like you're right and they're wrong or they're right and you're wrong. It's just we're incompatible. I mean, basketball is great. Soccer's great. You just can't play them together, right? So the first benefit to writing your wedding vows now is you define what you, what, what you, what you mean by compatibility. And then secondly, the law of attraction works for you because when you live your vows now, you attract people that want to play the same game. Now, the third benefit is, I think it's even more powerful, and this is something I don't think people talk about, is that when you write your wedding vows now, what you're basically saying is is you're developing, like this this is my go-to in times of trouble. My vows are where I turn when there's drama when there's an emergency, when there's conflict, when there's trouble. Your wedding vows become like an anchor in stormy seas, right? Because we all know in a relationship, the shit's going to hit the fan, right? I mean, you're going to get arguments. There's going to be difficulty financially, sexually, with children, family, I mean, you know, you know how life is, right? There's going to be challenges there. And the wind is going to blow and the rain is going to come and, you know, the the, the challenges are going to come. 
And very often when you get in some real sticky situations, it's like, man, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to respond to this. I, I don't know what to hold on to. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, ugh, I'm, I just feel lost. I feel, you know what I'm saying? Do you, you relate what I'm saying here? But when you have these vows, it's like, oh, times of trouble, get back to the basics. Get back to your vows. So we're having conflict, then we're going to tell the truth. We got X, Y, or Z going on. Which one of my vows really touches on this? So your vows become like an anchor for difficult times. Let me give you an illustration of this. I believe this is true. I've seen it in movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> that doesn't mean it's necessarily true. But I've seen movies, you know, airline movies where the plane is in trouble, right? There's, there's an explosion or the landing gear doesn't work. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like Air Force One with um, Harrison Ford, right, where he finally kills the bad guys and now he's flying the plane. And he doesn't know what he's doing. And if I remember the movie right, He's like, where's the flight manual? Get the flight manual. Because in times of trouble, you turn to your manual and you say, okay, what do I do to land this effing plane? Flaps, wheels down, you know, the engine thrust, right? So when the shit's hitting the fan, you, you got you to gotta find your flight manual. And you go to the flight manual because the flight manual is written from a place of equanimity. It's not written in an emergency. It's, it's kind of written by someone who's, who's thinking ahead, saying when all goes wrong, here are the steps, bing, 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 and you're going to get through it. So when you write your vows now, you're basically writing your emergency relationship manual. <laughs> That's what you're doing. And you've got that. So when things go wrong, you're like, oh, let's get, where's the manual? Pull it out. All right. What are our vows here? What did we promise each other that the way that we would be together, the way we would love, what are our essential commitments to one another? And you will find that if you write your vows properly, I'm going to show you how to do that in a minute. If you do that, then you, you're going to find the answer to whatever problem you're going through is right there in your vows. It's right in your relationship flight manual. Does that make sense? Okay. So now let's go second question. How do you write these things? Okay. How do you write them? Four points here. First, you need to write vows that are absolutely within your control. They must be controllable. They must be doable by you. So in other words, your vows are not feelings. You're not writing about how you're going to feel about someone for the rest of your life. How in the world do you promise that? I promise to love you the rest of my life. Really? Can you prompt? Can you, do you know how you're going to feel about someone five days from now, five years from now? No, you do not. Right? So your vows are not promises of feelings. Your vows are controllable in the sense of you're vowing to function in certain ways. You're vowing to be committed to acting in certain ways. So you can vow to be honest. You can't vow to love someone. Because your relationship, I mean, things might change. And your vow might be, you know what? I'm being honest. I don't love you anymore. And I don't want to stay married. Okay? But, but you promised on our wedding that you would love me and honor me the rest of your life. Well, yeah, yeah, that was sweet sounding. Okay? So I think I've mentioned this before. And I know you're going to, this sounds so unromantic and so uncold and, and ew, I know, 
My wife and I felt this when we talked about it. But in our vows, we didn't promise that we would love each other forever. We didn't even promise that we'd spend the rest of our lives together. How do you know that? How can you promise that I will never leave? Come on now. Right? Get your head out of the sand here. What do you mean I can promise how I'll feel and I'll promise I'll never leave? No, 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 no. So we didn't promise things that we couldn't control. Our vows were things, and I'm going to share them with you. We didn't verbalize them the way I'm going to verbalize them today. I don't, you know, I understood this, but not in the same way. So we chose words that were different, but the idea is exactly the same. But we chose to be honest with each other. We chose to treat each other in certain ways. That we were vowing, we were committing to being together a certain way. Do you get that? So the first thing is your vow has got to be something that you can actually control. And they're not moods, they're not feelings, they're not emotions. They are commitments, acts of intention, will, they're actions. Okay? The second thing is your vows that you're writing are only about you. Your vows should not say, I vow to have a partner who will never cheat on me. (laughs) Your vows are not about the other person and what they're going to do or not do or be or not be. You're talking about you and the way you're going to play. This is the way I'm going to relate. These are the commitments that are going to guide the way I function in my life. So you're not making them for anyone else and you're not talking about anyone else. Okay, that's important. Now third, in getting more practical, I want you to actually stand, sit, get in a meditative place, maybe during a walk in nature, and really imagine you're standing in front of your partner. And whatever comes into your mind, like I said, maybe it's a church wedding, maybe it's an outdoor wedding in a gazebo by a lake, you know, with beautiful trees around and deer in the background, or or, or maybe you just want to run off to the justice of the peace or to Vegas, what, whatever, whatever, maybe, like I got married to my, well, my, my first wife, we were in a church back in 1984. I got remarried in 2008. Yes, that's right. 2008. (laughs) Don't tell my wife. I just had to remember that date. Our 15th anniversary is coming up very soon. Um, We got married on a beach in the Caribbean. Okay. Just this minister who we had never met before. They were like provided for by the all-inclusive resort. And it was just me and my wife and the minister And someone else in the hotel was a witness. We didn't care about any of that crap. It was about me and her, what we were saying to each other, and what mattered was where we were. We we thought about inviting family, and uh, we don't want to do all that stuff. Um, This is just about me and you right here before God and nature and whatever else you could think of. So just imagine your own wedding scene. What are you going to say to them? Really? What are you going to say to them? Think it through. Imagine your partner. I promise to what? I vow to the best of my ability to be what? To act how? To respond how. In other words, imagine you're looking into their eyes and you're saying, this is the man or woman that I intend to be with you. And it might take you a couple of weeks. Things might pop into your awareness over time. You might have to meditate on this you know, five minutes a day for, it'd be worth it to meditate on this kind of thing for 
five minutes a day for a month. I don't know how long it will take, but I think it's pretty damn important you begin with the end in mind and you get you get some clarity. And then, of course, am I living this way now? This is what I would... In fact, you could even... You could even turn it around. What would you like your partner to say to you on that day? What do you really want to hear? That, that might be almost a better way of doing it. What do you really want to hear from that other person? But again, remember, it can't be their feelings because they can't control that. You want to hear this person's intentions and commitments. They want to play this kind of game with you. They want to show up with you this way. They want to relate by these principles or these commitments. So either way, you think about what you would really want to say or what would you really want to hear? Because you're projecting. If you say, I want them to tell me this, well, where's that coming from? (laughs) That's coming from you. Right? So whatever you want your partner to say is what you want for yourself and what you would want to give too. Right? There's no way that you want your partner to 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 be committed to some way of relating to you, but you say, No, but I don't want to do that with them. <laughs> that wouldn't make sense. I want my partner to be really honest and open and transparent, but I don't want to be that way with him. All right, well, then you're just describing fundamental incompatibility and your love life is screwed, right? So you're not doing that, okay? So whichever way works for you, envision what you want to say or envision what you would love to hear. Then you live that way. Then the law of attraction comes on board. It says, ah, that's the way you're, right? You're going on the dance floor and you're, you're moving around doing the foxtrot. Well, then someone's going to come out there and say, oh, I want to dance foxtrot too. And they're going to dance with you, right? Or, oh, I'm out here playing soccer. I'm playing soccer. And someone's going to come and say, oh, I want to play the game you're playing. Oh, we're compatible, right? So you know what your vows are and then you're living them now. And then that becomes the magnetic attraction. The law of attraction works for you. Okay, so the principles on writing your vows are first, write them that they're controllable. Second, they got to be about you um, or about what you'd like to receive. You you get the little slant there. Um, And then you want to imagine standing in front of that person or what they would say to you. Um, And then you want to write the actual vows. Now, let me just give you some things to think about here. Um, I have something called the Dating Manifesto. They are 10 commitments for conscious, mindful dating and relating. They are commitments that have been proven over thousands of years that when we live by these, we create harmony, we create connection, we end drama, we create healthy, sustainable connections, whether they're with our children or our siblings or our intimate lovers. There is a set of commitments that come out of the mindful, conscious approach You know, there have been people for thousands of years that all that they've done with their lives is study the human condition. Not only through psychology and research, but through their own meditation practice, their own self-awareness, their own watching of themselves and the world around them. And they have learned incredible things about the human condition and about human relationships. Some of them could be named Freud or Jung, but others could be named Eckhart Tolle, Michael Singer, the Buddha, Jesus, right? Some of these ancient mystic monks, right, that have delved into the depths of their soul and found out, like, what's really happening in the mind, what's really happening emotionally, 
What does it really mean to be a human? What's, what's going on here, right? There have been incredibly smart, spiritual, deep people that have really studied what it, what it means to be human and to relate in ways that work. And I've just, all I've done is through my own interest in that same subject and through my research and my reading, I've coalesced all those ideas and I try to put them into one simple manifesto, right? It's like a declaration of this is it, man. This is the way I want to live. So this dating manifesto is, is the principles by which I want to live and that I do live. They guide the way I deal with my clients. They guide the way I deal with my son. They guide the way I deal with my wife. They, they guide my life. This is my manifesto and I'm, I share it with all my clients and I'm sharing it with you. And there's 10 of them. And if you just send me an email, I'll send it to you. No charge, no, no expectation, no obligation, no nothing. If you want to look at the dating manifesto, just email me and I'll send you a copy of it. Okay. But I've also done three podcasts on it. I, I did I focused on three, three, and four of them in podcast number 45, 46, and 47. So that's another resource for you to, to understand these, these commitments, what can be your vows. Now, what I want to do with our short time remaining is I'm not going to share all 10 with you. I'm going to pick the, I'm going to pick the five, five that I think for, that should, boy, they, they really need, they, they should be, they really need to be vows that you make if you want to attract lasting love. You want temporary love, you want quick love, you want short-term relationships, then, then do whatever. But if you want a relationship with anyone that lasts, then these are the vows that you need to make to them and to yourself. And so I'll pick five of the 10. And again, if you want them all, just send me an email and I'll send you the whole thing or go to the podcast, 45, 46, 47. Okay, so the first one is the first commitment. And it's, it's, it's the vow to take responsibility for what's occurring in your life and not blame other people. So imagine you're standing before your life partner and you look him straight in the eye and you say, sweetheart, no matter what happens in the, in the days and weeks and years and decades that unfold between us, no matter what happens, I vow to you that I will take responsibility and be looking for my part in what's happening in my life and in our relationship. And I vow not to blame you for what's wrong or for what I'm feeling or for whatever's happening. I vow to take responsibility and never to blame you for anything. Boom. That's a vow. You see, that's controllable. I, I can decide to blame or not, right? It's not a feeling. I'm committed when something's going on, I've got some result, some outcome, something's happening here, whether we're having a fight or financial thing, or I don't know what it is, but my first response is, okay, how am I responsible for this? What am I doing to set this up? How did I create this? What can I learn from it? What is a solution that I can bring? See, I'm focusing there instead of something happens you, you did this. This is your fault. If you wouldn't have done that, then this wouldn't have happened. How could you? Why'd you do it that way? What's wrong with you? You're an idiot. You follow me? I mean, the clearest, the, the, the surest way to ruin a relationship is start blaming. I mean, that's it right there. So that, if this vow is not one of the first things you say to your partner, then I, I feel for you. Your, your relationship isn't going to last. This one's got to be at the top of the list. The second one is about curiosity. Responsibility, 
I vow to take responsibility and not blame you. This one, curiosity means I vow to not be righteous. I, I vow to not be right and be certain that I'm right. I'm vowing that I will be open to listening and learning. I, I vow to be curious. And curious means I don't know. I'm open to seeing what I don't see. Curiosity means, well, I might have my opinion, but I could be wrong. I might have my judgment, but maybe I'm missing something. So curiosity means that you're saying, I'm not going to be in a position where I'm right and you're wrong. I'm not going to get defensive for myself and I'm not going to defend my position or my beliefs or my, my judgments or my opinions. I'm going to be open to learning. I'm going to be open to seeing a new perspective. I'm going to be open to listening to what you have to say and really be open that you could be right, that you could be sharing something that I missed. Right? So this speaks to a vow of the way your heart is going to be in relationship. That I'm going to respond as much as I can. My vow is I'm going to respond with openness and curiosity rather than closure and wanting to be right. Right? I, you know how it is when you want to be right? You want to defend yourself. You want to prove yourself. You get argumentative. You don't listen to the other person. You talk over another person. You say, ah, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, right? Being curious means you, you would never say that because that's not how you're looking at it. Maybe what they're saying is true. How is it true? Is there something more to be learned here? Yes, in my head, it seems like I've got it all figured out and I know exactly what's going on. But you're saying, oh, I'm not going to trust that. I'm going to stay open and curious. So your second vow to your partner is, man, I'm not, I'm not going to be defensive. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be wanting to be right in my relationship with you. I'm going to be wanting to learn. I want to be in a, my vow is to be in a position of openness and learning rather than righteousness and defending. Whew. That's powerful. Now, both of these vows are not easy to live. You are going to fail. You are going to break your wedding vows. You're going to break them right now because you're going to find yourself blaming someone. You're going to find yourself probably even today, you know, standing for what you, I'm right, you're wrong, right? You turn on Fox or CNN, whichever one is not your channel. <laughs> Watch how fast. You're like, oh, they're full of shit. What do they know? Those are fucking morons. You know, they're immoral. They're, they're, they're ridiculous. They're backwards. They're, eh, right? Do you say, you're immediately not listening. You're, you're not turning on your opposite channel saying, oh, I wonder if they've got a perspective that I need to be open to. You're not. Unless you're a pretty evolved being where you might go between channel and channel and say, you know, they, they probably both have something important here to say that nobody's probably completely right, but nobody's completely wrong. Nobody could be smart enough to be completely wrong. <laughs> okay. So this is an attitude about how you approach your partner in life. I'm going to approach it with an, an openness to learning rather than a doubling down on I'm right, which means someone has to be wrong. See how that works in your love life. When you have to be right and you have to make sure your partner knows that they are wrong, you better apologize to me. You better admit that what you did right there was wrong and it was bad, right? How, do, how does that work? That's drama. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Okay, that's number two. Number three, it, it's candor. It's the vow to... To say, I want to be 
a personal. I want to play the game where I'm revealing myself to my partner and I'm not concealing. I'm not withholding any facts or feelings or even things I'm imagining. Even if I think you might not like to hear what's going on in my head or in my body, I am not keeping it from you. I'm living nakedly, transparently, openly. What's going on in Royville, you're going to know about. No secrets, no games, no half-truths, no coyness. I vow to be a revealer in this relationship and not a concealer. Let me give you an example of this. Just the other day, we have a decision we need to make in our relationship, and there's, there's some time constraints on it. And my wife is running point on this issue, and I've known her for 16, 17 years now, and she'd be the first to admit that she's not great at making decisions. She can see all points of view and it becomes sort of difficult for her. And she was telling me that, you know, time is running short. We, we need, you know, we need to make a decision. And this is mostly something that she's doing and taking responsibility for. That's an agreement between us. Right. And so I started in my own head thinking, well, this is what was going on in my head. Okay. Well, Roy, you know how she drags her feet and she doesn't make very good decisions, but yet she just told you that we're under a time constraint. She's going to drag her feet right up to the deadline and it's going to backfire and all hell's going to break loose. And I'm worried and I'm scared about this. And this is all going on in my head. Okay. Do I think she would love to know that I have those judgments? That I'm thinking that? No, I'm pretty sure she's not going to like that. That, that doesn't matter. My vow is to reveal. So this is what I said to her. I said, honey, I, I got something I want to share with you. It's, it's just going on in my head. You don't even need to respond to me. I just want you to know what's going on over here in my head as we talk about this issue. And I just said, here's what I'm imagining. That we have a deadline. I'm imagining that you're going to drag your feet and not take action and we're going to get closer and closer, and it's going to all backfire. And I'm just thinking that you're going to lollygag on this, and um, I and I, you know, and I'm feeling scared about that. And kind of what I want is for you to get on the stick, and you know, make a decision. And if you need help or you need input, I'm here, right? So I was, I'm wanting to push this along and not let it delay. Okay, so. I just said that to her. I said, that's what's happening in my head. It's unarguable. You can't tell me I'm not thinking that. Okay? Um, and I said, you don't even need to respond. I'm not trying to control you. Anything I'm letting go. I'm trusting the whole process. I just want you to know that that is what I'm thinking. And she said, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I, I hear you. And that was it. And then we're going about things. You know, we go longer in this process, and I'm, if I start feeling that way again, I'll, I'll say that. Okay? So, we all have judgments, right? We all have thoughts. We all have our worries and our concerns. But very often in a relationship, you know, we don't say that stuff. Or if we do, we say it in attacking ways. I could have said to her, like, I'm right. You know what? You're terrible about making decisions. You never make a decision. You're going to screw this up and you're going to... Okay, now that is me being right and making her wrong. So I, I was telling you, I don't even know if the way I'm thinking about this, is, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's true that I'm thinking it. But I'm not attached to it. I don't know if I'm right, but I, I just want you to know me. Because intimacy is knowing and being known. If you want an intimate relationship, there can't be secrets by definition. You can't hide thoughts and feelings and actions and even things you're imagining in your own head. So this commitment is the commitment to live out loud. To live openly with your partner. How you doing? I'm fine. What? I don't know. It doesn't sound like you're fine. No, I'm fine. Right? 
uh-uh, we don't do that here. I don't want to guess how you're feeling. I don't want to wonder, did I do something? I don't want to wonder what's actually wrong. Uh-uh. We're, we're not, we don't play that game, right? Our vows are to reveal and not conceal and play any sort of game. Yeah, you're right. Okay. All right, here's what's going on. And then you share it. Okay? So there's a commitment to take responsibility and not blame. There's a vow, I should say, to be open to learning and not wanting to be right. There's a vow to reveal rather than conceal. Fourth, there's a vow to source your emotional needs from within yourself rather than depending on the other person to meet them for you. This is the vow to not create codependence. (laughs) This is the vow to say, yeah, okay, I've got emotional needs. I do. A need for approval, need to feel safe, need to feel loved, need to feel special, need to feel seen. I need to feel good enough. I need to feel prioritized. I need to feel whatever you might want to say. Yeah, okay, you have emotional needs. I have emotional needs. This vow is you're vowing about where are you going to source the meeting of those needs from. And in a conscious relationship, you vow I'm not making you responsible for my needs. You are not responsible to make me feel wanted and prioritized and loved and safe and you don't, you don't have to be Johnny on the spot and respond to my text message. Otherwise, my abandonment wound comes up and you, we got married and it's your job to fix that. It's your job to live your life so I never have to feel insecure or lonely or abandoned or not important or undesirable. See, in a conscious relationship, you're like, I have those needs. Okay, I, I'm not perfect. I, I still have some things to work on. It's just that those are mine. That's, that's a me job. That's a me and God, me and life, me and the universe. I need to learn how to source from within myself rather than requiring you to jump through the hoops to meet all of my emotional needs. So I vow to source from within and not require you to meet my emotional needs. Now, man, we could, I've spent a lot of podcasts on that one because that is the central issue in relationship. It is the cause of drama because if you think the other person's role is to meet your emotional needs, well, they're going to be human and they're going to fail and you're going to get mad. You're not, you're not doing what you're supposed to do in this relationship. How many people have said, or maybe you've said to a partner after a while, where is the person that I first met? Where is the guy or the, the woman that I first met? See, because when you first met, it appeared that they were meeting all your emotional needs. And then they're not anymore because in the romance phase, everything's phony and fake. You settle into real life and now some of your wounding comes back and you're like, I, I want to be, I want the person I married back again. What are you saying? You used to meet my emotional needs. Now you're not. And it's all based on the assumption that you're supposed to. And I'm here to tell you, no, they're not. That's the reason you end up in drama because you're, you're asking your life partner to be your life source. And you've heard me say it. Life partners make lousy Life sources. Life partners make great life partners, but they make lousy gods. Very lousy gods. But this is what we do. I don't, I've, I've had many clients argue with me and tell me, no, Roy, the purpose of a relationship is to meet your partner's emotional needs. And I'm like, good luck. I hear you. That's the conventional wisdom. Why do you think the divorce rate is 50%? And why do you think a large percentage of people that don't get divorced are not necessarily happy. It's because they're living under the assumption that their partner is supposed to be meeting their emotional needs and they're not going to because they're just human. 
So if you want to go out and you want to try to find someone who's willing to sign up for that job, then you tell me whether they can do it and whether they can do it day in and day out, week after week, month after month. And when they don't, that's when drama happens. You're not doing your job. You're not making me feel special. You're not making me feel desired. You're not healing my, the wounds from my childhood. So this is a vow that's got to be on, on that day when you're getting married. Look at the partner. You are not expected to be my life source. I vow to source my emotional needs from within myself. And not put that on you. And when a person says, and vice versa, <laughs> now you're in business. And some people say, well, if, that's not, if the purpose of a relationship is not to meet each other's emotional needs, then what's the purpose? Well, the purpose is to share your completeness with another person. It's just to share your love, to share your gifts, to share your body, to share your soul. But you're not completing the other one. That's their job. But you're just sharing your love in your heart. You're, you're co-creating together. You know, you're, you're, you're basically challenging each other to be better versions of yourselves. And you're enjoying the dance. But you're not in the relationship. The, my job is to help you get over that feeling of abandonment because of the way you were raised. Oh my God. I had mommy issues, right? I never got the attention and affection from my mother that I needed. And for decades, I thought that the purpose of a relationship and my woman was to heal my mommy issues, to give me all kinds of attention and affection pretty much whenever I wanted it. You imagine the kind of drama that caused. I'm not in the mood to have sex. So I have these emotional needs. That's how it works. I've done it. That's why I had a lousy freaking love life for, for a long time. And I'm guessing you've done it too. Okay, more about that later. But that's the fourth one. The commitment to source your needs from within yourself. I'm vowing to not put that on you as my partner. And the last one, it's the vow of integrity. Simply put, I vow to keep my agreements with you and not break them. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I say I'm not going to do something, I'm not going to do it. I've said this before. Relationships can sound awfully complicated, but if people will make and keep clear agreements, oh my God, you'll go so far in life. But I can't tell you the percentage of people in this world that take their word to be nothing, that make promises haphazardly and nonchalantly, that they say they're going to do something and they don't, that they say they won't do something and they do. You want, to, you, you want a relationship to get screwed up with your kids, with coworkers, with intimate partners, then be a person who lacks integrity. And in this context, I'm talking about making and keeping your agreements. And really conscious people are very mindful about the agreements they make because they know once they say they're going to do something, there's no backing out. Nope, I committed to it. I'm going to do it. So you become very circumspect about what you're committing to. Because I don't change my mind and I don't back out and I don't no-show and I don't not call you and I don't not show up at the restaurant. I don't do that. I don't play that game. If I say it, even if it turns out I don't want to do it afterwards, that's on me. I should have thought through before I promised. Okay? Now, of course, there's always room to renegotiate an agreement, right? I'm not trying to be freaking Hitler here about, you know, no wiggle room at all. But if you're a, if you're a person who is always renegotiating, then no one's ever going to trust what the hell you say. So you want to be a person of integrity. 
that what I say, I mean. And when I, when I say it, I'm going to do it. When I say I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And you can go to the bank on that. So that's one of your vows. I vow to make and keep my agreements with you. Okay? So those are five. And frankly, those would be enough. You live by those five, even now, my God, your life is going gonna, is gonna to take a direction that you never thought possible. The joy and the harmony and the connection that you are going to experience if you simply make a vow to take responsibility and not blame, to be curious and not be right, to be a revealer and not a concealer, to source your needs from within yourself rather than expecting everybody else to do it for you. And if you make and keep your agreements, your life is going to be the most amazing thing you've ever seen. And I wrap up by saying, I can't imagine that you don't want to talk more about at least one of those. You know, th these are major topics. They're, they're big deal vows. And you want to be living them now so that law of attraction works for you. Because I'm pretty sure that you want a partner who doesn't blame, who isn't right, who isn't concealing, who isn't expecting you to meet their emotional needs and putting that on you. And I know you want a partner that is a person of integrity. Right? So if you want that, you have to be that to attract that. Let me say that again. If you want that, you have to be that in order to attract that. If you're not that way, then you'll never attract that into your life because like attracts like. So if you need help, you know where to find me. Right? Coaching with Roy. I'm, I'm sorry, Roy at coachingwithroy.com and 407. 687-3387. And until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.